Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so they will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So before we go into it, I would like to talk about two very foundational principles about fasting. And the first principle is all about when you fast. When Jesus was talking about it in this context, he actually was teaching on the topic of prayer. And when you read this whole chapter, you can see that Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And then he continued and he said, when you fast, fast like this. Jesus didn't say, if you fast. Can you hear the difference in language? He said, when you fast. So for Jesus, it was quite a significant part of the journey of his followers to fast. He sees it as something that we should be doing on a regular basis in our life. He sees it as essential for us to strengthen our prayer and our faith and to grow more towards him and to get to know his heart. So it's not actually an option right now to just be sitting here and be thinking, you know what, fasting, actually I was thinking about it, I tried it once, it's not my thing. It's got nothing to do with your gifting today. So Jesus is asking you to fast. It's not an if, it is a when. D.L. Moody said it this way, if you say, I will fast when God lays it on my heart, you never will. You are too cold and indifferent to take the yoke upon you. It's a bit sad, isn't it? Shows a bit about the human nature. Fasting is an integral part of the life that truly is burning for Jesus. And the second principle that we can get out of Matthew 6 is that fasting is not about fasting, but fasting is about the Father. Matthew Henry, a great biblical commentator, said once, if the importance of our fasting, though frequent, long and severe, do not serve to put an edge upon devout affections, to quicken prayer, to increase godly sorrow, and to alter the temper of our minds and the course of our lives for the better. They do not at all answer the attention, and God will not accept them as performed to him. Modern translation, fasting is pointless when you do not pursue God's presence. It is absolutely pointless. I don't know if, if or how often you are fasting in your life, and hopefully you have better testimonies than mine, but I usually tend to get quite crumpy when I fast. I start fasting and then I feel hungry, and then I just concentrate the whole time on my feeling of feeling hungry, and I get a bit crumpy, and then I'm like, well, surely my crumpiness right now is not a blessing for anybody right now here in this world, and not for your kingdom at all. And right in the beginning, when I first started off and I once fasted, it actually came to the conclusion to me, be like, okay, fasting is not for me. I just get too crummy. 
you know, I, I concentrate too much on the lack of energy that I have, and I usually just am quite bouncy. And when I feel like a bit of lack of energy, it takes me down. And I was like, oh, what is this anyway? It's like, Lord, okay, that can't be good for, for your kingdom anyway, so therefore I may just not fast. But what did I do in this moment? I put all my attention onto the fast and not onto the Father, didn't I? Fasting, the power of fasting is not in the fast, it is in the Father. And this is why David Matthew says, we fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. We don't have to get it all here and now because we have a promise that we will have it all in the coming age. We fast from what we can see and taste because we have seen and tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible and infinite God and are desperately hungry for more of him. So this is what fasting will do. We do not have to fast, we get to fast. And fasting is a gift for us. It is a gift to strengthen our prayer life and our communion with him. And fasting also makes us weak. And in order to show our weakness, the Lord's power will be manifested in our lives and therefore we can experience breakthrough. This is what fasting is doing. And this is also why Jesus says in Matthew 6, right at the end, where he talks about this Father's reward. And that Father's reward is not salvation here in this context. The Father's reward is his presence. And where the Lord's presence is, there's breakthrough. There's breakthrough in your life. So fasting in and of itself has no spiritual power. It has actually no, it's not a spiritual whatever something. The power is all with God. He is carrying the power. It is not what you are doing here on earth. Fasting is a simple tool that he has given us to draw nearer to him and therefore become more aware of his heart. And he gave us a few promises in the word, didn't he? When he said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And in 2 Chronicles 16, it also says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro about the earth. And that he is strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is a promise. So if you are fully committed to Jesus and you do the practice of fasting in your life, he will strengthen you. So let's dive in. What is fasting? Okay, so here we go. A certain senior pastor's position from Hills Baptist is. Fasting is the intentional choice to temporarily go without primal needs for the express purpose of pursuing our greatest need, the very presence of God. I read this again. It was actually good. <laughs> I didn't mean it this way. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Fasting is the intentional choice to temporarily go without primal needs for the express purpose of pursuing our greatest need, the very presence of God. It is intentional, it is time-limited, it goes without the primal needs, and it has its focus set on God. It desires to pursue God. So now you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, so why didn't it just say like about food? Because often in the Bible it talks about food. Doesn't it? Often, but not always. So there is one example in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking to married couples and he says to the married couples, all right, you can actually in mutual agreement choose not to be intimate for a limited time in order to seek the Lord in prayer. 
Dave's Choke Over and Verdun is, food doesn't sound so bad, fellas, does it? <laughs> but what is this in this context? It was intentional, it was time limited, it was giving something up, and it was to pursue the Lord in prayer. That's what it was. And you would call it fast. So the point here is, yes, you can fast something other than food. Yes, you can. But biblically speaking right now, you will probably get the most out of it if you are fasting something that is absolutely essential to the human soul. And those are things like food and water, clothing. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but the human needs, right? So this is, this is where you get most out of it. So now you may say, okay, Leona, but what about social media? What about Netflix? What about alcohol? What about all of these things? Well, we don't want to be legalistic about it all, right? So let's not, let's, yes, absolutely. If you do want to fast those things, yes, and I mean, go for it, because it's not about the fast, it's about the father, as I said before. And Andrew Mona actually said, fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders you to pray. So if those things are hindering you to pray, if Netflix is actually hindering you to seek the Lord, if you are looking for comfort and for, for just time to chill out, for rest and for peace of your mind when you go and you watch Netflix or you be on social media, yeah, fasting those things is probably quite a good start. But also, can I just say to you right now that all these things like media and so on is all a comfort. And fasting comfort is not sacrificial. It doesn't actually weaken you, it doesn't make you vulnerable, it doesn't give you anything like this. And only when we are weak, only when we are actually fasting something that is essential for the human soul and we come to a point in our body where we have to focus on our spirit and not on our flesh and we become weak, this is when the Lord's power can be manifested in and through us and he will work mighty things. So if you see those things like social media, Netflix, alcohol, whatever it is, as a, something in your life that you actually should pause because it puts your attention away from God. The Bible calls it something different. What does the Bible call it? It isn't idle, isn't it? And the Bible talks about this very differently. The Bible says you don't have to fast idols. What do you have to do? You have to kill them. Those idols actually not deserve a fast, they deserve a funeral. That's what they do. 1 Corinthians 6, all things are permissible, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. You see, like an idol in our life will only will only really give us a short amount of satisfaction for a very short amount of time. And then it leaves us numb. It will never really truly fulfill our hearts and give the nourish our soul actually needs. This is only something God can do. And this is exactly where the fasting of, fasting of primal needs and mostly food comes in. Because it is a tool, it is one of those key ordained things that the Lord has given us in this world, a gift and a discipline for humanity to allow his power become manifest in our life. 
So that should leave us now to ask questions like how and why? How is this power being manifested in our life and why should this even be? So let's talk about the why. And there is so much again that we could say about it, but we wanted to bring it down to a couple of points. God's power is manifested in our life so his kingdom in this world can be established. So we need to know who we are. So you are a human being. You are mind, you are spirit, and you are flesh. This is who you are. And those things are all, those three elements are all really intermingled, aren't they? They're very torn up into each other, intervene. You can't actually say, I can't right now just say, all right, I'm going to stay here with my flesh, but because my mind feels like to run off the stage, I already run, and my spirit will follow me tomorrow. I can't do that. Like, this is me. That's me. One of it. We are actually, we are actually a shadowing um, of the Trinitarian Godhead. This is how the Lord created us to be. So it's quite amazing to think about it. It's incredible. Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and pressed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So what happened here? So the man was created from dust, so he was the body, he was the flesh. And then the Lord came and then he pressed his spirit, Nishma, into that man. And his spirit, Nishma, came into it, but the Lord just didn't stop there, did he? And then he pressed life into it. And activity in the brain started to, to work and all of a sudden there was movement and there was life and there was this human being, the soul, Nefesh, the human soul was created. Body, mind, spirit. And then the fall came. And our spirit died. We now had a dying spirit. But on that day, when you committed your life back to Jesus, what happened? That seed within us of the spirit actually changed again. And the Holy Spirit is in us. And it's not just like a partly here or here or wherever. It's actually fulfilling us. It's in us. And in that very second, when our spirit was made alive again, our spirit is now alive, but our flesh is still dead in sin. What happened to our mind? Our mind, in that very moment, ended now a space where it has to constantly decide in that battle of, okay, do I now listen to the flesh or do I now listen to the spirit? What am I doing here? Here's a new circumstance right now. Do I now choose to listen to the flesh or do I now choose to listen to the spirit? And this is exactly where it takes us to Romans 8, 13. Romans 8, 1 to 13. Proct, would you like to come up? Where are you? Yeah. She will do the Bible reading for the day. So I'm reading from Romans 8, 1 to 13. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful, sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live in according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Thank you, Prague. So how do we put to death the misdeeds of our body, what it said at the end there? We can't do it alone, can we? We need the power of the living God in order to do this. And I guess we do this like we do everything. If I now wanted to learn how to play the piano, what do I have to do? I have to practice. If I want to be really good at painting in the future, but I, I, to be honest, I would love to be. Jackie can help me in this one. But I have to practice, don't I? And the same counts for fasting. Fasting is a training ground for temptation. And fasting is a tool by which we train our minds to enthrone the Spirit of God and to kill the flesh. So when you fast, you are actually teaching your flesh that it has to obey to your spirit. You're teaching your mind to listen to the spirit and to ignore the flesh. The flesh. This is what you're doing. Consider the whole story with Esau in the Old Testament now. I could not stop thinking about it here in this moment as well. Esau gave up his, spirit, his spiritual blessing and his first birthright for a bowl of stew. That's what he's done. I wonder, I just wonder, if Esau had the discipline of fasting in his life, maybe, just maybe, in that moment, he could have listened to his spirit and waited a bit longer. He would have known that the Lord's perfect plan for his life is worth more than a bowl of stew, his fleshly desire. History would have looked so different. Fasting trains us otherwise. Fasting teaches us how to surrender the flesh. So when temptation comes, when trial comes, when the rubber hits the road, when the flesh rises up, that we are strong enough to have learned that we need to listen to our spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Fasting is a tool where we realize that the jar of clay is only really as, as precious as the treasure is that it's inside. What is the treasure? It is the knowledge of the Lord. It is the power of God. It is this all-surpassing power. Knowing that he is in us and that he, he can do immeasurably more than we ever, ever could. So when the 
Treasure is enthroned in our life. And we actually choose to focus on the Spirit and to live a life according to the Spirit. Then the Lord gives us this power to, to truly bury and to have a funeral for all of our idols. Because he deserves to be back on the throne, doesn't he? And then fasting will also give us lots of beautiful gifts. Because it says where the Lord's Spirit is present, where his power is there, there will be fruit to be seen. And he will give us love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He will give us all these things when we truly seek him. Andrew Murray says, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. When you fast, you give over a bit of control over your life. And that can sometimes even be scary. Because we know that if we really truly want to hear more from the Lord and our weaknesses are shown and His Spirit is working in our life, we actually need to let go of a bit of control and trust Him that He knows. And trust Him that He is good. And trust him that his kingdom can truly be established to, through someone like me. To step out into some, something that is unknown and that can be scary. But I want to encourage you to really use the next few weeks now to pray into it and what fasting means for you. It is not an if, it was a when, how Jesus said it. So it needs to be a vital part of our Christian walk if we truly want to get to know him. On a deeper level. So how can we do it? Well, there's different ways of doing it. You could do the whole fast, like Jesus did, 40 days without any food or water. We do want to say we do not recommend that fast. So please don't do it. There's lots of medical reasons for it. Why not to do it? Don't do that. You can do a partial fast, like fast a day or two a week. You could do intimate fasting, where you fast certain hours of the day. Or you could do the Daniel fast. That's pretty much where you fast all the fun food. And you don't do that. Pray about it. Think about it. Seek the Lord in the coming weeks of what you want to do. And be accountable to someone. But do yourself the favor to not go around and boast that you're fasting. Because you're going to lose your reward. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you have given us this mighty tool, the mighty tool of fasting in this world, Lord, because you knew that it's good for us to get to know you more, Jesus. You want to reveal yourself more to us, Lord. You want your power to be manifested in our life, Jesus. You are roaming this earth to look for those who are, whose hearts are truly seeking you, Jesus, and you want to strengthen them and you want to bless them. And we worship you for this, Jesus. And I pray now for every single person in this room that our hearts will be set exactly on this, Lord. That we will be set to, to seek you more, Lord. To let go of control in our life. To have a funeral for all the idols in our life, Jesus. And to use these 40 days of fasting as a church to, to get to know you more, Lord. We pray that you will make us weak so you, you can be strong, Lord. Jesus, we worship you and we praise you for who you are. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.